But as you're opening up your Bibles and laying that in your lap, can I ask you a question? Have you ever been to somebody's house or to a place where they did things that were weird to you? Raise your hand if you've ever been somewhere like that. Yeah, go to somebody's house and they have different habits, different traditions, and you're like, why in the world do they do that, right? Or maybe, maybe how many of you have been to a different country? Raise your hand. I'm going to see who I'm talking to. Yeah, so sometimes you go to a different country and they do things that are weird, right? About 15, 20 years ago, I had the privilege to go to Argentina. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Argentina. Anybody been to? Nobody. I'm the only one. Okay. Uh, well, I was in Argentina. took a team of people to Argentina. We had some missionaries there and it was fascinating because as we went there we went as Americans right and we were very used to what we do here in the United States and they did things that were weird they had some weird rituals I remember the very first thing that struck me was the first day that we were there it hit right around 12 noon and here's what happened around 12 noon the place shut down businesses shut down. In fact, our host home said this, everybody go to your rooms. I thought I got in trouble. I didn't know what was going on, right? And what happens is in Argentina, they have this thing called a siesta. Yeah, you're thinking that sounds like a good idea to adopt, right? But they, every day, every day with no exception, they took about a two-hour siesta. The whole place shut down. They all, we can't do that in America, right? We're too busy, got things to do, people to see, places to go. But every day we would go to our room from like 12 to 2 and we would take a nap. That's what we would do, right? Can I get an amen on that, right? Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, right? Uh, but, but that was not the weirdest thing that I experienced. The weirdest thing, it was really hard for me to get, get a handle on this. Raise your hand in the room if you're a germaphobe. You just, you're just kind of like, how many of you just can't eat after people and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I'm that way, okay? I, man, I had trouble eating after my own kids. I just don't like it. It's not my thing. In Argentina, here's what would happen. We would go to different people's houses. And there is a custom, every house we went to, and this will happen, every house you go to, they had a little cup like this. With a little metal straw. I know to some of you, like, what is that up there, right? But this is, this is what every home would have. And the moment our team came, we would sit in a circle, and the host would grab this little cup, this little straw, and they would put little pieces of grass in the bottom of this. And I would see, okay, what's going on? What are we doing here? And then they would pour hot water on top of that grass. It was called mate grass, right? In case you think something funky's going on here. It was an Argentine drink. And I thought, that's cool. They're going to drink something. And the host then would take a drink from the straw. I'm like, that's cool. I'll take a Diet Coke, right? But then the host would take that drink from the straw, and then the host would pass that same cup with the same straw to me. I remember looking at it and saying, did you blow bubbles in there? I mean, what's going on, right? I remember thinking, I can't do this. But to not drink was a sign that I did not like being in that home. And so I would take a quick drink and I would pass it to the next guy. And we passed that thing the whole way around. Everybody drank from the same straw. Raise your hand if that'd make you sick. Anybody in the room? Yeah, I mean, I struggled. But here's the deal. Got back to the host and I thought, whoo, that's done. Nope. He drank again, passed it back to me. We did it the whole time, man. I'm like, that's weird, right? I couldn't get it. I'm like, why y'all do that, right? That don't make any sense to me, right? It was weird. I'd never experienced it. Everybody down there, it was normal. You see, when you go somewhere, they do things you're not used to. It seems weird. Here's what's interesting. You have people come into your house, the things that seem normal to you, when all of a sudden you begin to look at it through someone else's eyes, you're like, wow, I bet that looks weird to them. You know what I mean by that? Like, I never thought about that until we invited somebody else to be a part of our family. You're like, when did you do that? Well, Joel got married and his wife became part of our family, right? Her name's Jessica. She grew up with only sisters, right? And I remember the very first time she came to our house on New Year's Day. 
Now, on New Year's Day, everything seems normal to us, right? In the Gregory house, if you want to know how it rolls out, you wake up and you smell sauerkraut and pork. Raise your hand if that's the way you spend New Year's Day. Praise the Lord for that, right? And here's what we do. All day long, we eat pork, sauerkraut, hot dogs, and we watch football, and we yell at the TV. Amen? That's what we do. We just yell. I remember looking at my daughter-in-law. She's like, what in the world did I get into, right? It all seemed weird to her. They didn't do that in her home. And then all of a sudden, when I began looking at her, I'm like, wow, it is kind of weird. We keep yelling at the TV. We keep eating hot dogs till we can't eat anymore, right? What's going on? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's the way some people look at church. Here's what I mean by that. Some of y'all didn't grow up going to church, and so there's things that happen in church, church things that seem weird to you. You're like, why, why do they do that? Like, like, nowhere else do they do that. For others of you, you grew up going to a different church, right? And so you grew up, maybe some of, I talked to a lot of you, like, I grew up Catholic, and it's like really different here. Like, you guys do some different things here, and I don't get that. And then some of you, some of you, you grew up going to a church like this or maybe this church, right? And so the things that seem normal and can almost be too familiar, here's what I know. Those things all of a sudden begin to look different when you invite a guest to come sit beside you. Because when a guest sits beside you, are like, wow, I wonder how that looks to them. What feels normal to me might not look normal to them. For instance, for instance, for some of you this is normal. For others of you this is weird because you didn't grow up going to church. Why in the world do, do several guys come forward and pass baskets during a service, right? And then all of a sudden people are putting money in there. Why do they do that? Where else do you go and they do that? I had a guy one time, he came first time in church. He said, man, they were passing these baskets. People were putting money in. He said, I took some out. It was awesome is what he said, right? Listen, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. But, but, but it's weird if you didn't grow up going to church. Some of you grew up going to church. You're like, wow, it's just kind of what you do, right? Uh, where else do you go? And they invite you not only to listen to the guy up front sing, but to join them. And everybody seems to know the songs, right? Why do they sing every week? Why do people meet me at the door? Why do they help me park my car? Why do they offer coffee? Why in the world do once in a while when I show up here, they have little pieces of bread, they have grape juice? What's going on? And so we simply want to talk about things that might seem weird to some of you. Listen, listen. And to others of you, they've become too familiar. See, for some of you, they're peculiar. For some of you, they're way too familiar. And so those familiar things all of a sudden look different when you invite somebody to come and sit with you. This morning, I want to talk to you about one of those things. Can we do that? One of those things. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is baptism. You see, baptism can be one of those things like, what in the world is going on? Why in the world are they doing that? And why are they doing it the way they're doing it? I grew up, I grew up in a church where they did baptism a little bit different than the way we do it here, right? You see, I don't know if you grew up in a church where you got a chance to see baptism. But, but when I was a kid, I grew up in a church where they had this thing called a baptistry, right? Anybody, raise your hand if you've ever heard of that, right? It's literally a baptism tub built into the building. That's what it is, right? And so you fill that thing with water. And it was awesome because as a kid, I remember the first time I invited a friend to a, to a baptism service. And I'm like, wow, I bet that looks different to him. Because here's the way it rolled. I don't know why we did it this way, and I'm not criticizing it. It just is the way we did it. When we would have a baptism service, they would turn all the lights down, and the light up here uh, behind the baptistry would come on. And we had this huge curtain, and there was a guy by the curtain, and his job was to, to, right? You're tracking with me. Some of you are like, yep, I remember that. I always wanted to be that guy. Like, he could peek behind, and it's like, it's time, right? And here's what would happen. An organ would play, and nobody moved. And like, like that. And then all of a sudden... 
he got the cue from somewhere. He would open the curtain and there stood my dad with somebody in a white robe, right? And he would talk to that person in a white robe and then all of a sudden he would baptize them and then after he baptized them, he would pray and then the curtain would shut. Nobody clapped, nobody made a move. Everybody just like said, and the organ would play again. And then all of a sudden the guy would open the curtain again and there would be somebody else, right? And all of a sudden that person, over and over, you would see that again, right? Here's the deal. That's not really the way it rolls out here. We're kind of crazy here, right? Because you might come on a Sunday and there's going to be a big cowboy tub right there in the middle of the aisle, right? That's the way we do it. And, and, and after we baptize, people are like, woo, man, we go crazy, right? And I'll explain that in a second. But if you've never grown up in church or if, this, if you're newer, you're like, why do they do that? Why are people jumping in that tub getting wet? I don't know what's going on, right? And then there's others of you. There's others of you. Like when we have that moment, it's like I know exactly what's happening. Because I've seen it a million times. Here, here's what I know. For, for some of you, baptism's weird. Like for some of you, it's like, man, that seems like a really weird thing to do in church. And a little bit messy, if we're just being honest, right? For others of you, baptism and what you see, it's like, well, that's just a weird rite of passage for people in church. It's kind of like what other clubs and organizations do. Like you get to wear the funny hat, you got to memorize the funny poem. And so that's what churches do. And for some of you, that's what you think about baptism. For others of you, you're very passionate about your baptism. And the reason you're passionate about your baptism is because of where you were baptized and who baptized you. So some of you are like, man, I got baptized by this person at this place, right? And others of you, you're confused about it. Here's what I mean. I talk to tons of people. And so some of you are like, well, you know, I was baptized as a baby. And so when I hear you talk about baptism, I'm like, I was baptized, but I didn't really have a say in it, right? I just was. My mom and dad got me baptized, and so I don't know. And does that count? And what is baptism? And how should you? And what does the Bible say? Should I be baptized? Some of you are saying, I was baptized, but was I really baptized? Should I be rebaptized? What does the Bible say about baptism? And then there's others of you. You ready? Ready? You were baptized. You were baptized, but you have forgotten the reason you were baptized. And so all I want to do for a few brief moments, and literally for a few brief moments, is unwrap this whole thing of baptism and say, what in the world is baptism? Now, here's the deal. Jesus talks about baptism. Where? Where does Jesus talk about baptism? Well, here's the deal. The moment Jesus decided to talk about baptism was after they killed him on a cross, they buried him in a borrowed tomb, right? And he rose again three days later. Can we just all agree on something? If a guy is killed on a cross, buried for three days, comes back to life... Ought to listen to what he says. Can I get one amen in the room, right? Yeah, he's got something to say. And so Jesus comes back, and he has something to say. And when he comes back to life, he gathers his followers together, and he says, I have something really important. I've died. You saw that. They buried me. You saw that. And now here I am, and I want to share something with you. And here's what he says in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I bet it has. (laughs) Like, if, if, if you die, come back to life, bingo, I bet you got some authority beyond what some of these other, right? You got authority. And then he says this, so because I have the authority, this is important. Some people skip this part of the verse. Because I have the authority, because I am who I say I am, and they killed me, I came back to life, you saw it, here I am. And one of the people that saw this is writing this, by the way, his name's Matthew. Because I have the authority... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as you're going, therefore go, and literally it's written, as you're going, I want you to make disciples of all nations. Not just right around the neighborhood of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Literally, what you find in this passage, everybody look here, I want to teach you this, a different sermon series, but there is one command. There's only one command in that entire section. It was written in a language called Greek, you can forget that, but there's only one command, and that command is make disciples. It's what is traditionally known as the Great Commission. So what Jesus says is this. He's saying, if you're a follower of mine, if you're a church full of followers of mine, there's one thing. Whatever you do, there's one thing make sure you do. One thing. What's the one thing, Jesus? Make disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? Invite other people to say yes to Jesus. Invite other people to say yes to Jesus as the only one who can save them and to say yes to Jesus as the only one who can lead their life. Invite them to come with you as you say yes to Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying if there's one thing you can do, that's what you do. In fact, a church that isn't making disciples is like a doctor that will not see sick people. It's like a teacher that won't educate students. That's what Jesus is saying. Like you can't miss that. He's saying, hey, listen, Listen, the one command in there is make disciples. Literally the way the verse is written, as you're going, when should we make disciples? As you're going, as you go home, as you're in your neighborhood, as you're playing ball, as you're going to school, as you're going to work. He's saying, as you're going, invite others to say yes to Jesus and to follow Jesus. And then those people who say yes to Jesus, there's our word. He says, I want you to baptize them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've. There's our baptize, baptizing them. Now here, here's the deal. I'm gonna let's go down deep and pop back up. That word baptizing is literally a Greek word that we just made English. It's the word baptizo. We'll put it up here. I think baptizo. If you like this kind of stuff, write it down. Here's what it means. It literally means to immerse, dip submerge or clean. Let me clear something up. It's not a church word. It's not just simply a Bible word. It was a, it was a secular word that they're using. And what it means is to dunk or to submerge or to immerse. In fact, the first time we have record of that word being used, this is just interesting to me. I don't know if it is to you, but it's interesting, is about 200 BC. And this poet and philosopher he literally was writing, get this, he was writing a recipe for making pickles. No, I'm not kidding. And this is what he says. He says, when you're making pickles, the very last step to making pickles is baptize the cucumber in vinegar, right? That's what he says. He said, dunk the whole thing in. That's what he's saying. In fact, I will say this, and this isn't where I want to land, but there are other Greek words for sprinkle, right? Retizo is the Greek word for sprinkle. Keo is the Greek word for pour. Jesus seems to be saying, hey, I'd like when this whole baptism thing happens for you to get all wet. That's what he's saying. He's like, I want you to go invite people to follow me, to say yes to me. And when they say yes to me, what I want you to do is I want you to publicly immerse them. I want you to publicly, in in a figurative way, have this ceremony that kind of looks like a washing. That's what he's saying. It's interesting. It begs the question, and here's where we're going to be, and then we'll land. Okay? Here's the question. It begs the question, why? Everybody look here a second. It begs the question, why would... That seems weird. It just seems weird. It's like, you know, Jesus, couldn't we have a handshake? Couldn't we have stood in front of everybody, raised our right hand? Couldn't we do something else, right? I mean, it just seems kind of weird. And so it begs the question why. Now look here before we go any further. 
Here's what I want to accomplish this morning. There are some of you that have never said yes to Jesus. And so at the end of my little talk, here's my question to you. I'm going to ask you this question. Why not? Why not? Not going to pick at you, not going to twist you. I'm just saying, why not? I guess an incredible invitation. There are some of you that have said yes to Jesus, never been baptized. And I'm going to ask you, why not? Why wouldn't you? There are some of you that have been baptized, but you're like, I'm not sure if that's what Jesus was talking about. And my hope is that I can help you understand what Jesus is talking about. And then there's a a lot of you in the room, like, you've been baptized, even the way Jesus said to be baptized, but you've forgotten why. And my hope is, is that I'll give you a way to understand what happened the moment you got baptized. One, so that you can remember why. Two, so that you can explain it to somebody when they come and sit beside you someday and have a chance to watch it. So why in the world did Jesus say, baptize these people who said yes to me? Here's what I want you to write down. Because baptism is a public press conference declaring I said yes to Jesus. That's what it is. Baptism is a public press conference declaring I said yes to Jesus. Here, here's the deal. I get asked this question a lot. I want to, so this series gives me a chance to explain some things to questions I get. Here's one question I get. And some of you will know what I'm talking about. Some of you won't. I get asked this question by people who grew up in church. How come you don't do altar calls? Raise your hand if you know what an altar call is. I see what I'm talking about. Okay, but more than I thought. Okay. So I get asked that question. It's like if you've ever seen Billy Graham, you invite everybody and they come forward. Well, I've done that before and we've done that over the 10 years I've been here. But let me tell you this about altar calls. Altar calls, first and foremost, are nowhere found in the Bible. So that's what I would say first. But second, we have tons of people that are saying yes to Jesus. And third, what I do know is in Scripture is the public declaration of what people that have said yes to Jesus, that public declaration is what is called baptism, and we have tons of baptisms. Tons of baptisms. I have nothing against altar calls. I would say this, but the one thing I know is that baptism is something Scripture is very clear about, and that is a person's public declaration that they already said yes to Jesus. Look here a second. Let me explain it this way. When somebody joins a football team in the NFL, they join the football team in the owner's office when they sign the contract. That's what they do. Literally, a day or two later, they come out out on TV and they put on the jersey. This happens to be a Redskins jersey. And they let the whole world know, I'm a Redskin. I am part of the team. I have aligned my life to be a part of the Redskins. They didn't become a Redskin by putting the jersey on. They became a Redskin in the owner's office signing the contract. This is simply my way of saying I want everybody to know what happened in private. Look here, look here. When people get baptized, we give them a jersey. (laughs) See what I'm saying? This jersey says, I said yes to Jesus. And so their day where they get baptized is simply their public declaration of what they already did in private. Listen, I'm going to clear something up, and I want to be clear about this, and I want to be kind. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not save you. i got to be baptized to be saved. No, that's that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, I want my disciples to be baptized. I want those who've said yes to me to be baptized. Baptism is a public declaration of what I've already done in private. You ready? Ready? That's why, I want to be tender about this, but I I like to clear something up. 
That's why we don't baptize infants here at Grace Church. Stay with me on this. Some of you are like, because I get phone calls a lot, right? Pastor Dan, my niece just had a child, and we got to get the, the baby baptized. No, you don't. Like, some of you are like, oh, I was baptized as a baby. Listen, that awesome. I don't know what all was going on there, and we can talk about that later. But, but I will tell you several things. Infant baptism is, isn't even talked about until several hundred years after the New Testament was written. Nowhere in the New Testament do you see a baby being baptized. And baptism is, is a public declaration of somebody's personal decision to say yes to Jesus. Acts puts it this way. says that those, Acts, there we go, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That those who said yes were the ones who were baptized. And so... If you're hearing like, man, we just had a little one. we got to get the child baptized. No, you're looking for parent commissioning child dedication, right? See, there's a difference, difference. But, 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 but some of you are hearing like, well, I was baptized. Okay, I want to be tender about this. I was baptized as a baby. So is that the baptism Jesus is talking about? Let me just be clear about this, that if I was baptized prior to saying yes to Jesus personally, prior to saying yes to Jesus personally, I wasn't baptized the way the New Testament teaches baptism. I'm not saying there was something wrong. I don't, maybe your parents were dedicating you and they get you wet. I don't know. I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying what Jesus is saying, I want people who've said yes to me to be baptized, to publicly declare that. And so you might be like, well, man, I had no choice in it. My parents, here's what he's saying. I want those who said yes personally to be baptized, which, which leads to this. So some of you are like, well, man, that, that puts a different light on it, right? And then some of you are saying this, because I feel these questions. Well, if baptism isn't necessary for salvation, then I think I'm going to just say yes to Jesus and not be baptized. Because it doesn't seem to be that important. And I would look at you and say, why would you do that? If Jesus said, I want followers of mine to be baptized, to publicly let people know I belong to Jesus. In fact, and I did my best to research this, when you look at the New Testament... Other than the thief on the cross, you know the thief on the cross, Jesus died between two thieves, you know, you know the story? And, and one thief looks at him and says, remember me, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Other than that thief on the cross, nowhere in the New Testament do you read of a follower of Jesus who wasn't baptized, who wasn't a follower of Christ, and baptized as well. And that guy kind of had a good excuse, <laughs> right? And, and I would simply look and say, why not? You see, you see, Baptism is my public declaration. I belong. I've said yes. I trust that Jesus died for me, that God loves me, and I'm saying yes. He is the one who can save me. Yes, I'm going to align my life with him the rest of my life. That's what baptism is. But baptism isn't just a public declaration. It's something else. I want you to write this down. Baptism is a public picture illustrating my spiritual transformation. It's a public picture that illustrates what's going on. Finish this sentence for me. Everybody in the room, a picture is worth a thousand words. And Jesus chose this one on purpose. Pictures are worth a thousand words. Let me clear something up. Jesus didn't just randomly say, hey, you know, I think a good thing to do was after people say yes to me, let's, let's have this dunking party. And it was just this random thing. But Jesus picked a picture that would illustrate what happens the minute I say yes to Jesus. A picture is worth a thousand words. 
And so what in the world does the picture of baptism illustrate? Three things at least. Three things at least. I want you to write them down. First, it illustrates this, that I'm completely clean. I'm completely clean. Look at what it says in Titus. It says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Just stop a minute. Isn't that kind of cool? Like some of you grew up with a God that's just angry at you all the time. Write this down. Put it somewhere you can read it. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. I didn't earn it. Don't deserve it. It's his mercy. He saved us through the, everybody out loud together. That was terrible. Okay, let's do it again. He saved us through the, that's pretty good. Now everybody say it this way, washing. Let's say it together. One, two, three. That's it. Of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Here's what he's saying. The minute we say yes to Jesus, we get a spiritual bath. Let me ask you a question. You ever been around somebody that absolutely refuses to take a bath and they try to cover their stink with cologne? And raise your hand if you've ever been around somebody like that. Come on. Don't look at them. I'm just raise your hand. I'm just saying now. Raise your hand if that just almost worse when they try to do that, right? It's just worse. It's just awful. They've got all this cologne on and they've got the body odor. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you something. People all over the place, and maybe you're doing this, they try to cover their spiritual stink with religious cologne. See what I mean? Man, if I just do better, if I just go to church more, and what happens is it just makes it worse. It, 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 just, it just absolutely makes it worse. And what Jesus is saying is, quit it. I'm offering you a bath, spiritually a bath. I'm offering you a complete cleansing. Some of you are sitting here even this morning like, Dan, you don't know the stink in my life. Dan, you don't know the dirt in my life. I don't need to. I can tell you this, whatever the dirt, whatever the stink, I can tell you covering it with all the religious cologne in the world is never going to take care of the stink in your life, no matter what it is. No matter what the dirt is. But what Jesus did when he died on the cross, his kindness and love offers me a washing, a cleansing, completely clean. I shared this a few years ago, and this will forever be an illustration. I met with this, this younger boy, and he said, I want to be, he wanted to get baptized. His mom brought him, and he, man, I said, tell me, you know, why you want to do this. And man, he, boom, boom, boom. He knew it, man. He knew it better than a lot of people I've talked to. He's like, bam, tell me Jesus died. But, but, but he had one problem. When he came in, his mom was so embarrassed. Like, she was apologizing to me. Because when he came in, he said, Pastor Dan. I'm like, hey, dude. He's like, I want to get baptized, is what he said to me. And she's like, oh, Pastor Dan, he knows how to say it. I'll work with him. And I said, don't. I love it. I love it. I want him to say it in front of everybody. Why? Because I think the kid got it. He's like, you know, Pastor Dan, I had sin in my life. And he gave me a bath. Right? When I said yes to Jesus, I got a bath. I'm completely clean. But not only that, I think baptism illustrates this. I'm a brand new person. I'm a brand new person. I love this. Here's what Romans says. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. That's crazy, right? Well, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? 
Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Look at this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also may li- we now also may live new lives. Here's what he's saying. I, I, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've baptized people for 25 years. Here's what I can tell you. One thing is absolutely sure about baptism. If I'm baptizing you, I'm going to dunk you the whole way under. Okay, just warning, all right? If, if, I'm, if, if you ask me to do it, you're going to clear under, right? It's just the deal, all right? I'll make sure your nose is plugged and all that. But, but, but we always bring them back up. Can I get an amen? Always. And that's what, listen, why? It's a picture's worth a thousand words. Because the old me's buried. When I say yes to Jesus, you know, I'm going to just kind of modify a little bit and kind of renew and remodel me. Uh-uh. It's a new person. Ever hear the term, I'm born again, right? It sounds like a church word. Here's what's happening. When I say yes to Jesus, there's a new me, new life, new hope, new purpose, right? New promises, new family, new identification. Everything's new. And that's what baptism illustrates. Like a picture's worth a thousand words. It's like I'm completely clean. When I said yes to Jesus, I got the bath. When I said yes to Jesus, old me's buried. I'm in a new family. Everything's new. I got a new hope for heaven. I got a new power inside of me, spirit of God. I got new promises. Everything's new. But then there's one more thing. I love this one. I'm completely clean. I'm a brand new person. And it says I'm all in. I'm all in. I I love that, right? Because when we baptize people, we, we dunk them the whole way under, right? I mean, the whole way. Right? And, and, and why? Because that's what baptizo means. But I think even better yet, because it illustrates that when somebody says yes to Jesus, it's not like, I think I'll dip a toe in following Jesus and keep one toe out. But there's a picture. It's like, Mm-mm, I'm in. I'm coming. I'm fully submerged and surrendered. In fact, in fact, this whole picture of being all in has caused me to rethink the way we do baptisms. And I think I might have found a better way. Watch this. Oh, it gets better. Oh, yeah, look at that. Boom. Watch this. I'm going to tell you, that's all in. Now, now, we have fun with that, and I actually heard that pastor explain why he did that and whatever and whatnot. The guy who got baptized, he's an, he's an incredible story, incredible story, and we will not do that to you, I promise, okay? <laughs> but, but, listen, listen, I will tell you this. I love, it's not just some random picture. It's like, why in the world did he say, I want you to dunk them clear in? It's like, I'm all in. Because he said, I want you not just to baptize them, I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Well, I kind of like some of the stuff, right? He's like, no, no, it's not like we don't baptize people one leg in, one leg out. He's like, I'm all in and I'm, I'm totally going because I'm a new person and I'm completely clean. A picture is worth a thousand words. You see, here's the deal. It's my public press conference. It's a public picture, but I want you to write this down. There's one more thing. It is a public ceremony, celebrating my new relationship with God. 
It's a public ceremony that celebrates my new relationship with God. Now, you write that down, I want to talk to you just real practically for a second. We have, because I, I, I want this to make sense to you, okay? So some of you have never been baptized, I want to explain it. Some of you aren't sure, like, I don't know if I was baptized the way Jesus, I want you to understand it, right? Some of you are going to sit with a guest, I want you to be able to explain it, right? And, and I think we make it too hard, I really do. It's a public ceremony that celebrates. So here's the deal. Let's just be practical for a second. We do this all the time. We have public ceremonies that celebrate new relationships that we have. You're saying, what do you mean, Dan? Here, graduation. Graduation is a public ceremony that celebrates that there's a new relationship, right? So, so it's a ceremony that says those kids walk in as students and they walk out as alumni. You tracking with me? So they relate different with their teachers. The teacher looks at them on the way in and said, that's the people I say, turn in your homework on the way out. They say, hey, now you're an alumni. You're a peer. You're one of us. Send us your money, whatever it might be, right? You have a new relationship. Uh, Wedding, wedding ceremony, public ceremony, right? Public ceremony celebrates new relationship. It is a ceremony that says they're walking down the aisle engaged. They're dating, right? They're walking back the aisle as husband and wife. Listen close. Those ceremonies aren't what change the relationship. A graduation ceremony is not what changes the relationship. You're saying, what are you talking about, Dan? I know that for a fact because what changes the relationship is when the administration signs this little certificate called a diploma. No diploma, no change in relationship, right? I can tell you that in a wedding. The, we can have weddings till kingdom come. If, if a guy like me is not signing your marriage license, right? The, the, the change in relationship is something that happens. I do that in my office. And then we have this public ceremony that some of you, when you have it, you blow it out, spend tons of money, right? But, but public ceremony celebrating the new relationship. Listen, listen, I'm going to blow some of your minds. Baptism is a public ceremony that says I have a new relationship, ready, with the God, listen, with the God, one God who exists in three persons. Some of you are like, say what? <laughs> For some of you, you're like newer to church. You're like, one God, three persons? Can you explain that? Listen, listen. I'm, I'm okay sitting here and telling you this. That this is one pastor that's, that's going to at least be transparent enough to say, not really. I just know it's true because God says... In fact, I would suggest this. If you find a pastor who can explain every jot and tittle of it, okay, every little detail of it, then maybe all of a sudden God is no longer God and it's just something he can explain. You see, God is a God that blows our minds. Let it blow your mind. But he is one God, exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that means this. I'm going to correct something that some of you learned growing up, and that's this. That means God did not create you just so he could have an object to love. Because he has existed forever in perfect love. The Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Spirit. There's, he, he has forever existed. But you know what's mind-blowing? That the forever God created you to invite you in to that forever love. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing to me. Problem is, right around Genesis 3, we, mankind, decided to do their own thing. And all of a sudden, that relationship we had with that God who loved forever got broken. It got broken because sin entered the scene. 
That's why the story of Jesus. Because Jesus, God the Son, came to die, pay the price for the sin we committed. Take my place so that I could have what I don't deserve. Why? So that my relationship with God could be restored when I say yes to Jesus. You see, when I say yes to Jesus, I'm forgiven of my sin. I am sure heaven is my home. And I have a new, restored, reconciled relationship with God. In fact, the Bible says it this way, and then we're done. The Bible says that God the Father, He now calls me His child. Let that sink in, because some of you didn't have a good relationship with your daddy. So that one's a hard one. I get it. That's a hard one. But here's what First John says. See how much our Father loves us? For He calls us His children. That's what we are. It's like when I say yes to Jesus, it's like the Father invites me to have a seat around the table. He's like, you're part of my family. He's like, I'm going to call you one of my kids. On on Friday, look here a second. On Friday, I had the privilege in my office to see a gal who comes here to one of our services say yes to Jesus. She had a terrible, terrible, terrible relationship with her daddy. I showed her this. And I said, you now got a daddy who loves you and wants to lavish his love on you. This is what she said to me. Listen, listen, how does it, this isn't just like religious lingo. How does that affect me? She asked me a question. I thought, man, that's good. She said, yes to Jesus. She said, what if I start doing bad things while I get kicked out of the family? I said, I got three kids. Yes or no? This is class participation. Yes or no? My kids did bad things growing up. Yes or no? Yeah, one of them sitting right there. I'm going to tell you, they did. Right? Yes or no, did I kick my kids out of my family? Did I discipline them? Did we have corrective talks? You bet, because I love them. I love them, and I love them way more than my need to be liked by them. We have a father who loves us. He invites us. He's like, come on, come on. Like Pastor Aiden should, come on in here. Come on in here. You got good things going on? I want to hear about it. I love hearing when my kids have good things going on. You struggling? Don't keep it from me. Don't keep it from me. I want to hear it. But not only that, we got a big brother. The son is my brother who rescues me. You're like, what? Yeah, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son. Here's what it says in Hebrews. Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. That's crazy it's like wild because god's children are human beings made of flesh and blood the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying we have a big brother who is our savior and leader jesus is the only one who can save us he jumped in the fire to get us and he's the only one who can lead us and so when he says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and then of the Son, like, like we have a new relationship with Jesus. He's now my Savior. He's my King. He's my Lord. He's my leader. He's my big brother who rescued me. I'll go wherever you're going. I love that. But then he says, I want to baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit now lives inside of me. Here's what 1 Corinthians says. Don't you know the body that you have is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? whom you've received from God, you're not your own, you're bought at a price. 
all he's saying is that baptism is this public ceremony. He says, I have a father who loves me. I got this brother who's my savior and my leader. And literally the spirit of God is inside of me. So let me ask you a question, then we're done. Don't put your stuff away quite yet. I want you to stay with me. No music. We're not even going to sing. No emotional plea. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have, have you said, not yes to church. Have you said yes to Jesus? Not yes to being a good person. Have you said, have you taken the bath? Have you said, yes, I got stink in my life. Yes, Jesus, I need you to wash it away. If not, can I ask you this? Why not? Well, I have people tell me this. I'm going to wait till I get my life together. Why would you do that? When he says, I'll clean you up and then I'm going to help you live life. I want to be the leader of your life. Have you said yes to Jesus? Like, is there a time you can look and say, that's when I said, yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You died for me. I need you to save me and I want to follow you the rest of my life. If not, why not? And why not today? Why not right there in the quietness in this moment? No, no emotion. You can talk to God. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I got stink. And I believe Jesus died for me. I, I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing more important that I could ever say from this spot than to invite you to say yes to Jesus. Nothing more important I could say. But can I ask you this? Those of you who've said yes to Jesus, have you been baptized? Have you made a public declaration? Have you drawn a public picture and had the public ceremony? Can I ask you this? If not, why not? Well, you know, Dan, I'm not really a, I'm not really a person who likes to be in front of crowds. I get it. That is probably 85% of the people we baptize. Like, is there going to be a lot of people there? Yep. Yep. And this is no, and listen, you hear my heart on this. This is no way guilt or this is just me saying, yes, there will be. We'll turn the lights down so you can't see all their faces, right? I mean, whatever. We'll try to make it work. But it's like a big, there's a lot of people there. But the only thing I would say is this, and this is not guilt, it's just how I think about it. There was a lot of people there when Jesus died in my place. A lot. And he said, Dan, I'm going to take this one. Like if you said yes to Jesus, he says, I'd love, I want you to follow me and I want you to make a public declaration. It's a party, guys. Some of you, you're here and you're confused because, and I've talked to you and I'm trying to be gentle and I, I please hear my heart on this. But you're like, I was baptized and I was this little kid and my parents made me and I don't remember, but you know, now I get it and I've said yes to Jesus. Dan, should I get baptized? What should I do? And I would say this, that if you were baptized before you said yes to Jesus, then whatever happened, and I don't want to be critical of that, wasn't what Jesus is talking about here. And my encouragement to you would be this, August 19th. 
Just fill your connection card out right now and say, I'm interested in at least talking to somebody. I've talked to people all morning. I'm interested in at least talking to somebody about being baptized, about making a public declaration. Rest of you, look here. Then, then I literally am done. There's a whole bunch of you in the room. You've been baptized. You're like, man, Dan, I, I probably got to preach that sermon. I know the baptism gig, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Cool. Can I ask you this? Do you remember what it was you were saying the day you got dunked in that tank? Because one of the things, this was so convicting to me this week. One of the things you were saying that day was, I'm all in. And Jesus says, come on, Dan. Teach them to obey everything. And the very first thing is go make disciples. Can I ask you this? If you're somebody who's been baptized and you're like, this is, I get it. When's the last time you invited someone else as you were going to work, as you were going to school, as you were going to your neighborhood? When's the last time you invited somebody else to say yes to Jesus with you? Father, we're done. It's a conversation that I'm glad we can have because it's weird to some of us and yet it's beautiful when we take a look at it. It's, it's a beautiful picture. It's a bold public declaration. And it's mind-blowing that you invite us around the table to be part of your family and that Jesus snatches us and rescues us and then wants to lead us and that literally you place your spirit inside of us. And so God, I'm grateful that we can celebrate that. And I pray for some in the room who have never said yes to Jesus, that today would be the day they stop putting religious perfume and moral deodorant on their life and that they would jump in and say, yes, Jesus. And that might be you. And right there in your seat, you can say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I am a sinner. I know you love me more than I ever, ever dreamed and that you died for me. And today I'm saying, yes, I want you to save me from my sins and lead me the rest of my life. Man, if, if you had that conversation with Jesus this morning, you need to let me know that somehow. Email, call, put a card in, some, punch me in the arm afterwards. But then I would encourage you, August 19th, to move into a public press conference. And so, God, as we have that public press conference in a couple of weeks, I pray that we would celebrate in proportion with the angels who rejoice in heaven the moment we say yes. I pray that we would encourage and love those who make that public declaration and then help us to invite others to say yes to Jesus. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.